0: Welcome to the Shoot This Now podcast. My name is Tim Malloy.
1: My name is Matt Donnelly. Matt Donnelly, what do we do every week on the Shoot This Now podcast? Oh my God, every week on the Shoot This Now podcast, we discuss ideas that should be made into film and television, and we have such a special episode for you this week.
0: This week, we are sitting here in our little
1: recording room (laughs) waiting for the great Paul Shear. I mean, the incredible Paul Shear.
0: We lit a candle. (laughs) We set out a food tray.
1: We set out a crudité, and I hate to say this, none of our guests have warranted this kind of... Treatment.
0: Well, we just weren't considered enough to think of it.
1: You thought of it. I thought of it. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? I'm not going down with Sheer thinking I'm an asshole. Well, before we start the podcast. So think it after the right. podcast. But like, he was recently incredible in The Disaster Artist. Um, he has been in stuff like Daddy's Home, uh, Bride Wars, Um, any number of TV shows. The beloved and short-lived Happy Endings. He's been a guest star on all your favorite shows. 30 Rock, Parks and Rec. Veep. Oh my God, on Veep.
0: Yeah. He's just a... An amazing podcast called "How Did This Get Made?" which, as we're going to point out, is pretty much the opposite of "This
1: yeah. Now." Yeah, this 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 crossover episode in the universe of crossover episodes was inevitable.
0: Well, a crossover suggests that they're going to reference us back, which they probably <laughs> this one way. That's okay.
1: This cross, not over, just this cross <laughs> was so inevitable. It's kind of like Grey's Anatomy and whatever other Shonda show that crossed
0: but that, with. that incredible show talks about movies that should never have been made and we talk about movies that should be made. So it is like meeting our good twin.
1: Exactly. I love that idea. We're the cousin that like um, comes back from like like South America, and like has to live in the bus depot, but then poses as the good brother who's the doctor at the hospital in the soap opera. Does that make sense to you at all? If it's the
0: prince in the popper. wear the popper?
1: Totally. Yeah. Um,
0: but here's the thing:
1: there is a toll you must pay for Paul Shear and all of his genius. Please go to iTunes and give us five stars. Write a review. You, you can give us five stars on iTunes, and then you DM us on Twitter at
0: shootthisnowpod and let us know you did that. Give us your email. We will add you to our mailing list, which gets you into all of the rap screenings around award season.
1: And I mean all of them. That is, every Oscar contender that you care about seeing. Sometimes one of us two bozos will even be moderating, so you'll get a whole new live experience. You'll get to slash have to see us. How exciting. So again, give us five stars. DM
0: us at shootthisnowpod. And give us your email. You'll be signed up. You don't even have to say anything. Perks. Just put us your email and we'll know what you mean. Perks, 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 perks. All day. And now, Paul here. Paul Scheer.
2: I am so excited to be here. Today. We are thrilled to have you.
1: As you can tell by this pathetic... Crudité of nuts and candy, but you know
2: what? Um, At least I appreciate <laughs> anyone who puts out a bowl with something <laughs> in it. I feel like that's if anyone listening can just take that in your head. Like people are coming to your house, put out a bowl with some stuff in it. Exactly. Doesn't yeah, matter what yeah. the stuff is. It just shows that you gave a little bit of a care. Yeah, I feel like Mark Maron gives you like a half-eaten pork chop. Oh God! And I, and I, I mean, if <laughs> anything, Mark Marin like gives you a free bag of coffee. I think that's what I got. Like, and it was ground. You know, it wasn't and even. It, yeah, it wasn't um, even ground. It was like whole beans. So. You know, you got to go home. You got to grind wow. it. I got to wow. buy a grinder. Yeah, this. I've already gotten a lot of this. You know, got a lot out of this. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. Do you
1: have any idea what we do here on shit this now? <laughs> I do.
2: I, I think I do. Um what Wing you guys it. do is you you have your guests. Come on. Mm-hmm. And basically pitch you multi-billion dollar ideas that you can take and use at your discretion to become moguls in this world of Hollywood and entertainment. Yeah, Infinity War is all we really do here, is make Infinity War.
0: The podcast is a front for us to steal ideas from struggling (laughs) writers.
2: Well, look, I think I have an idea for you both today (laughs) that I think you are going to love. So excited. Okay. Okay, I took this assignment seriously because I came here, I respect it, I want to do a good job. You. Do you guys know anything about Bertha Heyman? No. It, not at the top not off the bat. Nothing. Bertha Heyman is the confidence queen. And what we could basically say about her is she is this badass con woman who was there's a couple of interesting things about her. Not Conventionally attractive, right? She, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, the New York Times uh, said this about her. They said, um, "You can just edit my moment to uh, edit this right now." For, Let me see. For uh, the
0: listener, there are mm, I'm a healthy a full inch thick stack. Yeah. Stack
2: of, of research here. It says, uh, Bertha is a stout, gross-looking woman, and it's difficult to imagine <laughs> how she succeeded in s- ensnaring so many victims by appeals to their confidence. Wow, Maureen Dow really let loose on that one. Uh, <laughs> she, so she is, if you've ever heard the term, like, Big Bertha, right? Yeah. Like, comes from Bertha Heyman, right? That's already, it's a movie. I mean, right? This this woman comes to town and cons men and gets men to give her everything and anything that she wants. Her whole MO is that she travels as if she is super, super rich. And her cons basically follow this uh, roadmap of the Nigerian Prince scheme, right? It was like, I have a lot of money that I need to access, but I need money to access that money. So back in the day, in the 1800s, people don't know about the Nigerian Prince scheme. She's the first one. She's pulling these schemes. Uh, I think one of the first known schemes that she pulled, and there's like a little bit of weird detail about her. I mean, uh, basically, she's born in Germany, uh, she's married to this man, this man kind of disappears, and she pulls this first con, or the first kind of record of her con, on a train going to Chicago. Uh, She's on a palace car, which is like a Pullman car, but a really fancy Pullman car. She has this person who is her manservant, who's... Also in on this con. Nice. She's acting like this very rich, wealthy woman. And she cons um, this train car conductor. Takes him out of all of his money have, you know give him the whole kind yeah. of spiel. She needs money to get more money. And that was it. Uh, she, and, and she comes to New York. Starts pulling the same thing, going around finding these rich men. She's a person who's wearing like lavish jewelry, talking about how expensive it is. She looks the part, you know. Um, And because, and I want to pull this up because I do think it's interesting. Like, I'll show you guys a picture of her. Please, Um, that's her. Oh God! Oh yeah. So she is. um, This is all happening. Marla Hooch from (laughs) League of Their Own. She She must have been so charming. She's born in 1851. All right. So this is yeah. This is all happening in the. 18, you know, in the 1800s here. Um, and so, like I said, she comes from Germany. She's here. She's now in New York pulling these scams, gets arrested for this scam, right? So the, the scams ultimately are neither here nor there. They're just like she's just ensnaring rich men and sometimes not even rich men. Uh, later on in her life, she says, I didn't even care about the, if they had money. All I cared about was conning men who thought they were smarter than me wow. yeah and sounds, yeah like rad like yeah. did I just say that it sounds amazing yeah <laughs> no she just like anyone who thought they could pull one over on her is who she went after wow. and she even said i didn't even care about the money i just wanted to have like i did it i got you yeah. So much so that when she goes to prison, uh, she gets sent to prison after <laughs> one of her cons, you know, she bursts out crying and with a big tissue in her face. And one of the court reporters writes, like, her reaction is so large, yet she never shed a tear. Oh, uh, you know, she's just acting it out. She goes to prison, in prison, pulls another scam. She gets one of the prison guards and says, look. I need to buy my way out of prison i need this amount of money takes this guy's life savings 900 bucks from a prison guard she goes here are all my banknotes to prove that i am wealthy she's and she gives him a satchel which is just cut up newspaper in a sack but he doesn't know because i guess she convinces him not to open it
1: it's like you'll ruin it open it at home this is yeah. a
0: straight-up magic trick yes this like, is like where should you most be suspicious of the people around you when you're a prison guard. <laughs> I, I know.
2: And she, he falls for it, I guess, because she's, you know, she is, I guess, giving him something. like, And this is the thing that is hard to kind of find in this research because yeah. it's like she's a con person. Right. So she, you know, she is good at fast talking. She's good at selling this story. And is she romancing these men? I don't know. I think there's an element of that there. Yeah, uh, it's the hook? I think the hook is like she's just getting money. She said that she gave money to charity, although yeah. there's no proof, and that sounds like a lie that a con artist yeah. would tell. I, wow. I mean
1: like what's her special sauce? Like where is the manipulation? That's riveting that she's yes. able to do this. But well, like She's
2: a large woman who is described as having like moles on her face. Like yeah. she is uh you know you know, in many respects, and I don't mean this to be uh, in any way derogatory, but like picture like the the mama from Throw Mamas from a Train yes. or like, oh, the, sure. you know, or the mama from Goonies, the same yeah. b- actress. Like that kind of energy, that, that's yeah. the kind of look that we're getting here. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and she's like studiously trying to get that look. I mean, that's like after makeup is what
2: that yes, woman uh, like. Yes, yeah. She's and Bertha like, yeah. looks
0: not as attractive as that woman. Yes, one yes. Of her eyes is going in kind of yes, a strange Exactly, right. This the
2: is, is the 1850s version of that woman. Like whatever makeup was available to her and dresses. And so she's looking the part. She's reading the part. She gets out of jail, cons this guy, goes back to jail because she gets arrested again for conning this guy. And then she's like, I got to get out of New York. It's too hot. She's like in the rogues gallery of New York, like one of the uh, thousand most dangerous people in New York. Oh, my God. Wow. Goes to San Francisco and meets this uh, man. His name is Dr. Messing. And he's this rabbi at a church. Um, apparently she knew him from before. We don't know exactly how, but she knew him. I think he was a doctor for her when she had some of her travels in the United States. And she says, look, um, I was married to this man. We had this son. All of a sudden there's a son involved, this kid, Willie, this kid, Willie (laughs) is is also a, a con artist, right? She's like, we had, I was married to this Catholic man. I now want to be married within the faith. I need to find a Jewish man to marry. I will give a thousand dollars to anyone in your congregation who can spot me with a, a suitor that is appropriate wow. for me. Oh, so wow. now this entire community in San Francisco, this entire church community starts trying to appeal to her. They want to get that thousand dollars. A thousand dollars is a lot back yeah. then, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So they're whining and dining her. They're taking her out to shop at the fanciest places. Phenomenal. She starts pulling, like, uh, essentially these big cons, because she'll go to a fancy dress store with these very wealthy people from this community. And she's like, oh, put it on my credit. And of course they give it to her on credit, because she's with these yeah. other rich people, they oh, assume. Exactly. So she gets a whole new wardrobe. She's getting jewels. This man falls in love with her. His name is Groom. After three days, he's like, I love you, but also knows that she's super rich. And, you know, and she's writing checks to the, the synagogue, $1,000. <laughs> check, $3,000 check. They haven't cashed any of these checks. She's running this big con. Meanwhile, Willie is out there charming all these young Jewish women wow. saying, I need to see your wedding. I need to see your rings. He's taking yeah. the rings and going like, oh, these rings, they... Uh, They don't look the way that they are supposed to look in New York. I've been to New York many a times. Uh, I think I have. I can reset (laughs) these rings so you will look like the height of New York. Takes all these people's rings, right? Then they both hightail it out of there. After a couple of weeks, they hightail it. They pawn off the jewelry, and then they're off again. Oh, my God. Beautiful. But groom doesn't take no for an answer. He tries to find her. They find her in Texas. (laughs) Yeah, so here he is. There's our protagonist, the one man who won't let her get away. Right? Uh, They find her in Texas, goes to trial, (laughs) goes back to jail. But now, this is where the story gets weird. (laughs) She gets bailed out of jail by this man, Ned Foster, who's a theatrical talent agent. And he goes, you would be good on stage. And basically creates a show for her where she performs on stage. Like eighteen thousand people come to see this show where she is reading poetry. Uh, She reads a poem called "The Confidence Queen," which is uh, a a poem that she wrote about how basically she's been wronged. And this is like her big mo. (laughs) She she always was able to twist whatever happened to whatever people accused her of of something that they did to her. Like she always twisted. She played like she was basically the uh, originator of gaslighting to a certain degree, right? So she's on stage doing poetry and working with this other actor. Called Oofty Goofty, real guy's name Oofty Goofty, who basically is like known as the Rubber Man, and they get into a boxing match on stage. Every uh, um, yes, this is this one person show, right? So with so it's it's Big Bertha and Oofty Goofty on stage poetry boxing matches that Oofty loses every night (laughs) and then they do like a, a selection of scenes from Romeo and Juliet but the balcony cannot hold Big Bertha's weight so Bertha wow. stands below the balcony, and Ufti on the balcony. Yes. It's like reverse mm-hmm. yeah. Romeo and Juliet. Oh, no, Juliet's nice. in an above ground pool. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> so there now she decides that she needs to get more money back from her uh, talent agent, agent. So She's like, yeah. "I look, I have all these, I have all this money. It's in my bags. I need you to give me this money oh so, so I can access other, other money." The talent agent goes, basically, finds out that there is no money yeah. in these bags. Um, you know that he like kind of gets rid of her. And then this is where, you know, we don't know exactly how she died. We don't know Mm. what necessarily happened to her. She then opened up like another kind of review. She continued her acting and and kind of con-womaning. Oh, meanwhile, by the way, I forgot to mention that Willie goes to jail for a long time. Yeah, Willie is sent up. But I thought that this character... Is a fascinating thing. She's oh one of the uh, one of the first confidence women in the United States or recorded. Um, New York detective Thomas F. Burns said that she's one of the smartest confidence women in America. She was considered by the New York Police Department to be the boldest and most expert of the many female adventuresses who infest oh this God. country. Um, <laughs> infest, infest, and. Uh, <laughs> And, yeah, and that was basically, you know, that's that's like kind of the big overview I of mean, Big Bertha Heyman.
1: Unbelievable. First of all, we've never had such a good idea on the podcast. Ever. And I'm, dis- no. I'm ashamed. Um, uh, I, I felt I was, like I had to come here and, and bring my A game. incredible. It has everything. But also, like, I love that, how meta it gets, and it's almost like it reminding me of Tanya Harding. Like, yeah. It goes right from, like, the heights of society, and then
2: you're boxing somebody named Loofy Loofy. Yeah. Loofety, loofety yeah. And well, to um, me, like, this is, like, a perfect movie. I mean, what a great way to, like, what a great piece for an actress to kind of come in and crush a million percent. I think it's an interesting role in the sense that, you know, I think what you're normally used to seeing in like the world of talented Mr. Ripley and mm-hmm. stuff like that is a yeah. very attractive person coming into the world and seducing them almost through their looks, you know. Yeah. And I think there's something much more interesting about this woman who is not conventionally attractive mm-hmm. who is kind of seducing all these men basically by getting them to get pretty thirsty for her money. Like they're yeah. like, well, I'm on in, yeah. you know, she's seducing rich men who want to get more rich, wow. you know, and I think that they, there's something really fun about this and just the elaborate cons that she's doing. She's never rich. She never has money. What happened to this first husband? We yeah, don't know. Totally. How did she die? We wow. really don't know. There's not that many records that we can find. Um, but I I think this is like the the turn to theatrical <laughs> yeah. really gets me and and it's yeah like,
1: it's exactly what happens to con like then you go and make the miniseries based on their lives like that's just like she, to the fact that she's staging a live show and also flipping the character around as if she's this like wronged woman yes
0: yeah um I I really like that she goes from conning people one on one to conning the entire audience yeah yeah which is yeah. kind of what acting is I mean not conning but creating an illusion for them for right. their enjoyment. Sort of takes the teeth out of it because she's presumably not robbing each of them. Yes. But she is getting their money.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. She, I mean, she's basically, I mean, that's. she's essentially like like OJ releasing that juiced tape, you know, that <laughs> prank tape. It's like, yeah, uh, look, you know, I like, you know, like, last laughs on you. I'll release a book and a prank show to get more of your money because I know you want to see yeah. me.
1: Well, also, and to talk about timeliness. I know it's a period piece, but like, did you, did you read about Anna Delvey? No. Um, we have a whole episode on her. And then Shonda Rhimes actually optioned her story to make a series. She's a young girl who posed as a sort of British socialite looking to, to raise capital to start her own social club like Soho House. Uh-huh. She was a Russian middle class girl who was scamming all these luxury hotels. And by the way, I don't know how in 2018 you can walk into a hotel, take up residence for three months yeah. and not give them a credit card.
2: Well, but that's what she was doing. And then there was celebrity celebrities involved and investors and Big Bertha is doing stuff where she's getting dental work and the dentist is like I need money and she's like oh please don't worry about this I have millions of dollars yeah. at home like I just need to get to it like but I think there is something about the con person's game like yeah. speaking of a good game where you don't feel like you're being conned you don't feel like I'm missing that money you're on some sort of level where you're like oh no it's fine it's it's Bertha she's yeah. going to pay me that money like yeah. you get it
1: and also uh, in the fall, I think Melissa McCarthy has a movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? which is about Lee Israel, hmm. who is a writer who oh, yes. forged forged great letters of, of dead people. And I think she had one or two a- actual letters from like a John Wayne or a Marilyn Monroe and saw how much money she could make selling them or auctioning them right. off.
2: You know, well, I think we like scams ultimately because it's like we live in a world where I think, you know, it's like they're always the most interesting movies, like, you know, because you're I think the best ones fool the audience. Right. (laughs) And now we're living in a time where I feel like the ultimate scammer is like kind of worked his way right into the White House. I mean, you know, to a certain degree. It's like, you know, like I never said that. Yeah, yeah, you did. Here's tapes (laughs) of it. Like, nope, didn't say it. And then you're like, oh, wow, it, it works.
0: Oh, well, And we're also scared of money, and we're scared to make inquiries about money. Mm-hmm. So yes. he's possibly a billionaire, possibly yeah, not yeah, a right. billionaire, possibly but,
1: becoming a billionaire yeah. because of his job now. Tim and I talk all the time about how, like, e- even when I was, like, broken in college, like, I would rather pay a $300 dinner bill than see people do math.
2: Oh, it yeah. It makes me
1: so uncomfortable. Uh, but also, 100%. it's like, it's our, like, Victorian-era lace yeah. collar, like, sh- shame. Like, yeah. it's <laughs> but, you know, you,
2: you, it's interesting because people do want to be told – like, if you take control of the situation, yeah. you know, like, I could look at a bill and go, okay, you owe 30, you owe 30, I owe 30, <laughs> yeah. but yet I could just be telling you both that you owe 30 and I, uh, you know, but yeah. you you actually owe 20, but you're two, like, you know, I, I'm <laughs> only paying 10, you know what I'm saying? But if I take control of it, yeah. I, you know, and you believe that I'm looking at this bill, yeah. we all feel like we just put in 30, but I've just tased, I basically had you guys pay for my mail. Exactly.
0: And I have to do a $10 gamble. Like, is it worth jeopardizing this entire relationship and looking like a maniac? Yeah. Yeah, like bringing this or up. being
2: the
1: one to ask for the itemized receipt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> can't do that. Then it's yeah. really like the friendship killing. Um, okay, who do you see as Bertha
2: if we were to make this movie now? It's interesting because I was like, all right, well, there's only a certain amount of actresses that are of this certain build. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's like, because you need, like, you know, she is uh, a woman who's five foot four inches, she weighed 245 pounds. Um, not that you have to go exactly yeah. to the look, right. but I think it, it kind of, like, narrows. I I could see someone like a Kathy Bates doing something like Amazing. this. Yeah. You know, I uh, I also could see, you know, Musa McCarthy, I think, doing something like this as well. I yeah. think it's sort of like, I don't know exactly. I'm sure there's other people out there. I, I, I think that the, the woman on uh, This Is Us. Christy Metz. Christy yeah. Metz, mm-hmm. who is great feels to me a little bit more kinder. Yeah, I don't think you that know would, yeah. Y- you want this woman to feel like a little bit more like yeah. and I think like, you know, uh, they need to have a little bit of a, an edge yeah. to them. And Christy is I think fantastic actress. I just think that like you want them to look a little bit more yeah. road hard. She's
1: gotta be somebody who can wear like a couture gown but then do like the French drop. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like yeah, you do some yeah. kind of like sketchy Oliver Twist pickpocketing. <laughs> well, when I was
2: reading about this, I kept on thinking about Kathy Bates and Titanic. Yeah, you know, because like yeah. thing, seeing her in those outfits and and just kind of you know looking at her like that. Um, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, of course, you could also go the other way and just put Debbie Ryan in that fat suit from Insatiable, you know? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which went so well. Went it went so good for her. It went beautifully, <laughs> so let's flawless. just do it again.
2: It's <laughs> a really beautiful, smart, a uh, really uh, lovely performance. Critically fit. adored. Yes.
0: It pops up every time on Netflix, and I'm like an almost every single time, but I cannot cross that bridge. I, love I pul- loved
2: reading Roxanne Gay's <laughs> reaction to Insatiable. <laughs> And uh, and someone like, kind of like, well, why are you watching it then? She's like, because I'm being paid to review it. <laughs> uh, um, oh, my God. Yeah, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, I think it's a tricky person, but here's my other pitch, and this is probably not as fulfilling to you yeah. all, but- I think you find somebody here. I think you yeah. find somebody that you don't oh, know, yes. you Beautiful. know, yeah. because you want, yeah. I think you want to kind of, I think one of the most exciting things sometimes is seeing someone and not knowing what's up their sleeves. Like, you know, cause I think if you're introducing this character, I think you would, I think you would start in that Pullman car where she's in this palace car on the Pullman train or whatever. And she is totally rich in the audience for the first maybe 10 minutes of the movie thinks, here yeah, we are. Here's here this rich person. Is, yeah. Then we kind of flash back and see that yeah. she started with these like kind of very uh, you know poor roots in Germany and comes. And, to and
0: as she tells her story, we go like, you know, I feel bad for her because she's not so traditionally beautiful, but. She does have something about her. I do. She is very pretty. I, I must be the only one who sees
1: it, but I have such <laughs> hidden depths that I see more. I I than, am a good
0: person yeah, for liking that's this person. A big part of it, and who knows? I mean, maybe I can help her financially, and she'll help me too. Yes,
2: exactly. exactly. Look, I think this With whole this. movie is told in flashback on her deathbed. We yeah. reveal it's her deathbed at the very end, and yeah. she's conning the last person oh. before she dies. I think like that would be a great way oh to just God. you know, she's telling your story. Um, she's coming clean (laughs) she's coming clean to someone but in her coming clean she has conned them one last time that's
1: incredible and by the way casting an unknown also feeds directly into the energy of the character so giving someone who uh, who clearly has no sense of imposter syndrome and putting them in a process like having to lead a film for the first time and plugging them into a machine which is all about perception and appearance would probably only make a better performance
0: I love this. My only question so is really, much. why don't you just actually make this?
1: I
2: know. I know. Well, Should we just not air the podcast? I know. It, <laughs> a... it was
0: so funny. As I Copyright was sitting Paul here, Shirt. I was
2: like, wow. I love this. And it's gotten more and more to it. I'm like, this is a good idea. It's like, a great I mean, idea. It's, like, it's, a solid, it's a solid, fun, co- you know, I think it, yeah. it hits a lot of, yeah, I don't know. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> uh, do you, who do you see, like, directing it? And
1: do you see it plays, like, a, I think it's a, the- a theatrical movie, too. I think it's something that you want to. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think it's theatrical. Or I think. I feel like it plays really nicely theatrical because I think the third act is theater the big, world. Yeah. I think yeah. the, the, I think the midpoint of the second act is kind of going to San Francisco and kind of doing this whole con of of the uh, of the whole like community center, you know. And yeah. I think the first act is this, you know the other parts uh, first and second act. You know, I'm curious who would do a good job of it. You know, there's a part of me that feels like I could see. Um, Oh my gosh, why am I forgetting her name right now? She just directed Wonder Woman, she directed Monster. Oh, Patty. Patty Jenkins, Patty Jenkins yeah. do this. Because yeah. I feel yeah. like there's something really like in the same version of like what Monster was a little bit too. Like it's an interesting character, it's a yeah. little bit complex, you know, and I think the more you play it real, and I think she's done such amazing stuff with Wonder Woman that there's like a little bit of a splash in the style to it too. Like I think, oh, that would be a really a fun, a fun director to kind of tackle this thing, because I feel like she could really create those worlds and make it feel fun, but also really weird and dark, you great. know, yeah, you would yeah. want it to kind of feel that way uh,
0: the... and it has some sweep and it has some history to it, which she's very good at, yeah, yeah, she would be great, I also, yeah it's a yeah. cool
2: project uh, also, I could see, I mean, well, no, I was gonna say. No, that, 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 that's, that that's what I think. I think so, yeah. Okay. That's I mean, the
0: danger there is that Charlize Theron takes it. Exactly. Well, you know and then was She like, gets to
2: Ugly Up again and win another Oscar. Yeah, I mean, look, I would say, like, I, I was thinking about that. I was like, oh, I wonder if you could put somebody in a suit on this <laughs> yeah. and kind of make it work on it. I bet you you could. I mean, oh, it would well, be. now that Debbie Ryan's perfected it, we can never. Yeah, really exactly. Can. But could we use Debbie Ryan's suit? <laughs> <laughs> Just take the suit. It's uh, money
1: already. I immediately thought of Jodie De- Foster. Oh, only, really? only because I I got a very riverboat kind of vibe from yeah. the movie the pitch. Remember, she did that Mel Gibson dumpster fire is Maverick. I yeah. love yes. Maverick. I yes, love me yes. some Maverick. Yeah. Um, but that, wait. By the way, that was one of the movies. I don't know why it's so formative. That HBO played seven thousand times a day. I love and Maverick I like when I, I
2: could saw it. Quote it. Yeah. yeah. And what I loved about Maverick too is there's like a little cameo to like Lethal Weapon, like Danny Glover pops up in it, like and, and has like a little thing with like Mel Gibson, like, Hey, hey, we're both hey, in the same movie, we're in a different movie. Where now. have I seen you before? Yeah. Uh, which I love that they just did that. You know, Jodie Foster's interesting, like, because I think She's a director that I'm not always 100% sure of like, what her She's like, hit and miss, for yes. sure. Yeah. What, what she actually even does, because it's like she kind of pops up and then she doesn't do anything for a while. And then yeah. she pops up again. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I don't know what her style is. Like, I, I would be hard pressed to say, like, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's yeah. a movie that, she, yeah, I that's feel her like movie. With Money
1: Monster, you, you, she's incapable of directing movie stars because I think that maybe she's just too much like them. But she's mm. done. So maybe with an unknown, she would be fantastic. I
0: just want to bail out on this portion of the podcast. Yeah. I have a conflict of interest because Jodie Foster is the greatest actor
2: who's ever lived, <laughs>
0: and I love her, and I will not tolerate. You will not comment. And
2: why don't you throw up down. another but suggestion? You know, he, yeah. Starling. <laughs> you know, I do Clarice. Believe, I believe that she, actually, I believe that she is like an amazing, amazing actress. I think it's interesting though because I think you want to get a director. Director, like yeah. I love George Clooney mm-hmm. uh, a lot. I think he's fantastic. I think it's like, but if you talk about George Clooney the director, it's a little mm-hmm. bit more dicey. A little yeah. more dicey. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. It's not. I think like, George Clooney would tell you that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so it's, I think it's hard sometimes when you are a mega star yeah. that you know is an actor and a director. I think that you know how to do it, and they're always like good, or they're they're not bad. They're not like out and out flops. They're just yeah. like it's a little bit. It's not as stylized as I think, you know, as a a director, director, you know, like, and you know, I think even like Clint Eastwood makes, you know, he makes a lot of movies and they're whatever, but it's like, they're not as stylistically interesting as like Martin Scorsese or something like that. That's true.
0: They do tend to be a little workmanlike. Alder, all, not All actors' movies that they direct, but a lot of them, and I think it might be that they have too much kindness towards the actors. Mm-hmm. They're like, I've been in your position. Yeah. They're not the ones who are going to, like, whisper to the actor, like, right before, like, and remember when your mother died.
1: Okay. Yeah, exactly. Well, but,
2: you know, don't you think that there's an element, and I've directed, too, yeah. like, uh, when I direct, it's sort of like, you definitely are looking out for what you find annoying and when you're working. Yeah. Like, I think that it's, it's, it's impossible not to do that. <laughs> but it's hard because... When I direct, I know I have to commit a long period of time to something, and it's something that you have to be there for all the time. I remember when we were doing What Hot American Summer the second season. Yeah. I did scenes with Jordan Peele in the first season, and hmm. Jordan's like, oh, "I can't come this day to shoot this thing. I'm just I'm still editing, get out." Um, but I was like, "But you're it's like like, like that's going to go anywhere." Well, I was like, "But it's like I'm <laughs> like it's like 3 hours. We're talking about 3 hours to do this scene." And but it's like that level of commitment yeah. to something. You right. have to be like all in, and I think that a lot of the times it's one of a few different things on people's plates. Yes, I'm passionate. But like the directors that we know and that we love, it's like, this is my project that I've been working on for two years before you even start shooting it and then right. a year right. and a half after you shoot it. And I think there's something about like that full on dedication, not to slam anybody and maybe they all are doing that. But I think it's a little bit harder mm-hmm. when you are a multi-hyphenate to find that time to be like, no, I, my sole focus right now is uncovering this thing. Like Christopher Nolan feels yeah, like yeah. he's like, I'm working on this. Yes. And, and this that's for it.
1: Four years. Yes. So I'll float one more then. I, I just feel like only because he has a really good handle of... Um, the other, even if it's someone who has a talent and is not attractive. maybe someone like a Ryan Murphy
2: could Mm. really
1: super dress this up. But don't you think that's, then
2: it becomes, oh, too social messaging. It becomes like, well, I think it becomes like Ocean's 8 or something like that. (laughs) Or sorry, no, not Ocean's 8. I am fine with that, Paul Uh, share. I'm in Ocean's Ocean's 11. It becomes like more like glossy. I think this movie is more interesting, like told a little bit, um, I don't know, like, um, what was that movie with Paul Newman? Like the uh, um, the Sting, the Sting, yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like I guess like, you know, that has myself. a little bit more of like, um, yeah. I think you want it to. Fe- I think you want to feel <laughs> yeah. like these moments, yeah. like, oh, like, yeah. I think, but I think if Ryan Murphy does it. It's yeah, he'll make it too fashiony and yes, yeah, like yeah. Just, it will it will yeah. pop in a way. I haven't seen Ryan Murphy do period though. It's interesting.
1: I mean, I I'm, I think I'm the only person who ever loved or maybe even finished Eat Pray Love. Oh, okay. I feel like he did <laughs> I, guess, I just I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I feel like he did a pretty good job with like visual identity for different places even though it's all just like a love fest of Julia Roberts but no you're right I think it has to be really um, there has to be such a low bar that when you see her ascend to the heights of uh, pulling this off that it's rewarding for everybody yeah
2: way. yeah I mean, yeah, that would be interesting too. But like, you know, thinking about this, like thinking about Christopher Nolan. Yeah, then you <laughs> go here's <laughs> Let's you know Nolan. <laughs> yeah, because there's wow. something about him where it's a period piece. But like, I think he likes like thinking of, of along the lines of the Prestige, right? Yeah. it's yeah. something that's like a little bit more like this is my, my here's the trick. Here's the turn. Yeah, you know, it's it's levels upon levels. Uh, and you know what's being what's the truth? What's not the truth? Right. I think there's something interesting with that. Wow. A lot of good directors out here. Yeah, totally. Uh, but sure. for Oofty Goofty, who do you guys think for Oofty Goofty? <laughs> <Hansuka>, uh, <laughs> <I>, uh, <laughs> you need a real rubber face. I, I yes. think Jim Parsons could be uh, oh, Oofty Goofty. that would be great. Yeah, just... and I'm sure Willie would be any would be the Timothy Chalamet of next
1: year. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well,
2: timmy Chalamet. Uh, I'd like him to be
0: weirdly old. I'd like him to be like 45 playing her. Willing? song. And everyone's yeah. like, wait, how?
2: How old is be he? be like Michael Shannon. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to be. Uh, I would cast myself as the the guard in prison. I would like, I feel like that would be an interesting relationship because it's the most complex, like you said, to pull off why this person whose job it is to watch criminals falls (laughs) through a very (laughs) criminal scheme right in front of him. Like, what is going on? What did she do to him? And how did she get him not to open that bag full of torn up newspapers? I mean,
1: it's the moment that they throw the pebble through the Jane Fonda poster in Shawshank. Are you kidding me? You didn't.
2: The uh, whole time. Yeah.
0: Is it a Jane Fonda poster?
1: Oh, it's Barbarella. Yeah. Or
0: is it Raquel Welch? It, oh, because it changes every year. Yes. Here, doesn't yes. It? Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. Rita Hayworth yeah. to start.
0: Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. Wow. Do you have any directors, or are we moving I, on?
0: I don't. I wanted to ask a couple of things about yeah. the podcast you're yeah. doing now. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um, which you, is the kind of as you go.
0: Well, first you do you do how did this get made, mm-hmm. which sort of tells you what a bad movie is. Yes. Does that help you decide what a good movie is?
2: Well, you know, part of the thing about doing this new podcast, Unspooled, Mm -hmm. is... Which is a second. Second Which is a second podcast uh, after, I guess... Really, almost my third, because my second podcast is my favorite podcast I ever have done. It's, I think you can still find it. It uh, it was like a Q&A podcast with Sylvester Stallone, but Stallone <laughs> never shows up. And it was a daily podcast that I think lasted for a month, like 30 episodes you just of trying to find Stallone. Uh, yeah, it's wow. uh, it's called the Sylvester Stallone podcast. Wow. and uh, I, have to yes, look, I have to look it up. Yeah, that was one of my favorite things I ever did. Um, <laughs>
0: No, so Did unspe- you kind of think Sylvester Stallone would turn up for the last one and then you'd be done?
2: Well, by the way, he asked to show up and oh. I said no. <laughs> because I thought it was more funny never to have him come back and I mean if you listen through there's a whole God. journey that my character <laughs> takes and how it all kind of un- ends up it's a pretty dark ending but uh, but yeah so yeah I did reject Stallone from coming on because oh. his people did hear about it oh, um, and the, uh, <laughs> the worst part about that is I had to lie to the New York Times I was like doing I was advertising this new <laughs> podcast network which was an Earwolf uh, like a spinoff from Earwolf uh, <laughs> called Wolf Pop and they're what do you got? And I was like, Oh, we have the Sylvester Stone podcast where I uh, do questions and answers with Sylvester Stone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, is he going to do it? It's like, yes, we haven't taped an episode yet, but like, like knowing that he's <laughs> oh, never going to do no. it, and it, like, I yeah, also so, it's sponsored
1: by Bowl and Branch.
2: Yeah, <laughs> um. <laughs> but so unspooled really came out of the fact that I was uh, like. In a mall, like I was shooting this movie in Atlanta, and I was walking around in the mall, killing time. My, my family isn't there, probably lonely, killing time before a movie. And I saw this poster for the <laughs> AFI's Top 100 Films, yeah. and I was like, "Oh, which ones have I seen?" And I quickly kind of saw that I. Maybe you saw, like, 25% of them. And if the ones that I do remember, I just remember, like, the meme of them, like, taxi driver. Like, the only thing I remember is, are you talking to me? (laughs) Like, I don't know if I remember taxi driver. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, there's such a hole here in my knowledge. It would be really fun to watch all these. And then I thought, oh, the only way I'm going to do that is if I, like, give myself some sort of, like, I make myself do it, you know, because yeah. I'll I'll, yeah. I'll think I'll want to and then I won't. And so I was like, what if I do it in a podcast? I think people are like me, that they haven't seen these like, great movies. Or are they great? Are they not? And so that's how that came out to be. And really, it without it really being a very smart move, I didn't realize I was making the inverse of How Did This Get Made. I'm like, yeah. we're doing, oh, like, gosh. the best movies of all time. How does This Get Made is doing the worst movies of all time. It just felt like an organic thing. Uh, that I just was interested in. And so I paired up with Amy Nicholson, who is a, a yes, critic at large totally. and writes mm-hmm. things for The Guardian and LA Times, and she was an MTV critic. Yeah, and that. so she's been uh, a great kind of resource because she's a huge movie nerd, and yeah. I feel like her writing style is very much like um, Pauline Kael. Like She can find oh, yeah. greatness in shitty things, and she can <laughs> find, you know, and she has very specific ideas about things yeah. and a strong opinion. So it's been a really great like kind of, I think it's like educational and it's entertaining. So I hope.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I think even when you criticize, I, I think like something like "How did this get made?" It comes from a real place of appreciation and love yes. too. Yes, because it's just or it's just like blind frustration. Like I remember, like even in college, I had a group of friends we were obsessed with the glitter. Oh, the yes, movie, yes. Because it was the, like, and that soundtrack came out on nine eleven. Like there oh, were yes. so many doomsday markers yes. of the thing, and I'm like, how like what in the world? You have this global. She's still the top selling female. I don't know. Well, no, but yeah. it's like
2: to me, like we never came at it, and I don't address. I don't. I don't attack how did this get made any differently than I do yeah. unspooled? It's right. like and I always would say that. I was like, we could do. How did this get made for you know uh, whatever you know uh, whatever you know Jackie you know like uh, I was like, but yeah. you know, but it's like it's it, but it's like there's it would just be us like, going. Oh, I like that scene. That's a good performance. Yeah. Oh, that was good. But it's like it. It's really just like now we're gonna put like it's like shooting fish in the barrel. It's like all right, let's talk about this BMX movie called Rad and let's get <laughs> oh, into oh, it. Like, why movie. do we make these choices? Yeah. You know, like. Um, um, you know, we like this movie that I really want to recommend to everybody is a John Stamos film. Uh, it is called uh, "Too." It's called "Never Too Young to Die." John Stamos <laughs> plays the son of a James Bond character, actually played by ex James Bond actor George Lazenby, who was the Ooh. only James Bond once. Wow! And he is running from uh, a killer who is played by Gene Simmons, who is what? in. Um, he refers to himself as a hermaphrodite Uh, and so that's that is this was made last year yeah this was made last year (laughs) um, which is a crazy like a crazy premise for the movie it's uh, yeah it's Insane, so it's and it's Vanity is the the lead actress. So it's John Stamos, yes. Vanity, and what? Gene Simmons. Never too young to die. It's available on Amazon Prime and iTunes. Oh my god! And it's one of those great movies. Like we when we stumble upon one of those, like Miami Connection, that The Room. Yeah. those are the ones that we take such pride <laughs> in. And oftentimes we're talking about like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, yeah. like Secret of the Ooze. But uh, it's fun. It's fun to we love movies, and it's sort of the conversation that we like to have yeah. with people, you know. But we just happen to be talking about movies that are. More questions. But there's a lot more questions than answers.
0: Yeah. Oh, my God. Recently, Dan Aykroyd broke the podcast. Oh, uh, yes. With Blues Brothers 2000.
2: Yes. That, is, yes.
0: Is that the movie
2: that has offended you the most? You know, it's interesting because I feel for that movie. <laughs> uh, you know, Blues Brothers 2000, the sequel that no one wanted uh, yeah. or asked for. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's a bold move to Was say. Paramount? Sounds like Paramount. Probably Paramount. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was a, a movie where they, go, <laughs> where they basically go, where they basically go, "Hey, what made this movie special? Oh, the relationship between these two great comedic actors in their prime. <laughs> well, one of them's dead. Um, <laughs> all right, let's do it anyway. Like, and report someone else with your details. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on. And like, and I love John Goodman. Like, there's yep. there can't be a, be, a bigger John right. Goodman man, But John Goodman is not John Belushi, by yes. any means. Like, right. he's just not, in the character in the movie yeah. is not even trying to be John Belushi. They didn't, I think what the funny thing was is they didn't realize what the, the recipe for success was. It was, like, these two funny characters, and, like, John Belushi is really the funny guy and Dan Eckerd's the straight guy and then they just bring back the straight guy and they give John Goodman another straight guy part yeah. and then they had this kid uh. and it's like John Landis not on cocaine is not as much fun as John <laughs> Landis on cocaine so you Cosine. know yeah. yeah you know uh, allegedly uh but um <laughs> but yeah like so it's this movie just comes in just is like oh it really like it's long, and it's, you know, the only saving <laughs> grace is that they do have some of the best collections of blues and R&B singers in the yeah. movie, and that, that does take you out of it, thank God. Oh, you need it.
0: <laughs> I had a what I thought was a good idea for an update on it. Yes. That Dan Aykroyd would probably never touch, because it's too sensitive. It's sure. just too hot. Okay. But the movie starts with a stripper coming and picking him up from prison.
1: Naturally. To
0: parallel the way that he goes and picks up Belushi in the first movie. Right. Is that right? Why don't they have, like, a young African-American blues man pick him up and then through the movie talk to him about the evils of cultural
2: appropriation? Uh, (laughs) Well, there is a a moment that we were really talking about in this movie where, like, John Popper from Blues Traveler comes up to him and he treats John Popper like a piece of shit. Like, he's like, get out of here, man. Yeah, I'll go listen to your band. And he, like, leaves him like, Dude. Jump Popper is doing exactly what you're doing. Like, what are, is the pot calling the kettle uh, black? It's like, yeah. you know, what's going on here? And it's also like, yeah, it's like, it's a, yeah, I mean, the cultural appropriation of that whole thing, it's a real mixed bag because yeah. you could argue that the first movie. Yeah. He's a guy who's using his power, his celebrity, yeah. to bring attention to these R&B and blues artists who are fading. At this point, Like you know, Ray Charles, Aretha Franklin are not selling albums, yeah. and he's like using his power of good to be like, this, this is who you should be listening right. to, and then yeah. their, their albums explode and bring it back, but then when you bring it back in 1999, you're like, well, I don't know if this <laughs> is... Uh, I think we've, yeah. we've recovered from well, that. Yeah. Isn't
1: it the same thing with the question of Up Who on The Simpsons, Or yeah. they even address the question creators addressed on the show, like, you can go back 20 years and read anything as inappropriate by, thankfully, progressive standards that are happening, but they're not going and giving him a movie now. I mean, they should probably, I don't know, well, if they, that, should change, they should probably change the voice actor. But but also, like, the drawn archetype of Apu was from a character from 25 years ago. So it's like... I think the trick is, though, you
2: know, we are evolving, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it's, yeah, it, yeah. And so it's like, why continue to hit a stereotype over the head because yeah. it was okay exactly. back when it happened, yeah. and and, and yeah. I think, and and I think you know when we talk about this on Unspooled a lot, like in Swing Time, there's a number done in blackface. Yeah. is it an offensive number? Yes, because mm-hmm. it's simply done in blackface, right. right? And we talk to people about that on the podcast to kind of get our you know, is it doing all the things that are offensive about doing blackface? No. Yeah, but. We have to kind of address it, and it's like we're not putting that in movies now, But mm-hmm. I think it like I don't think there's a world where we also say, "Well, I can't appreciate swing time because of that number. I think you have to be like, "Hey, this is happening in this movie. We got to talk about that too. You can yeah, like yeah. I think it's like, yeah. things re- where movies require a conversation. Breakfast yeah. club requires a conversation. Yeah, it's yeah. like like if you show that to a teen now, it does send out some of the wrong messages. It has good messages, too, but, you just can't blindly put something on. You I mean, have Mickey to... Rooney is okay, right? That's yeah, so cool. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Mickey so Rooney cool. from Breakfast That's at Tiffany's totally, totally fine. fine. <laughs> okay, great. but I think, <laughs> and I think that people don't want to have those conversations. It's it it's tricky, and it's like, are there things that I've done in my past? I think this is why people uh, get upset about the James Gunn thing so much. It's yeah. like... Yeah. We all have done things. Every artist, every person, every bit of writing that you've ever done, every Mm -hmm. opinion that you've had, hopefully morphs and changes, and you want to become a better person as you grow. Right? You know, we should be judged on what we're saying and doing now. Yeah. And 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 uh, you know, and that's why I think that the Roseanne thing is appropriate Mm -hmm. because that was something that she said and did now. And then I think there's something like when you look back ten years, you have to go like, all right, well, that's we got to look at this through a lens. We got to like, we have to like. And allow people to say like, "What's the you know?" I don't know. There's a whole line of things. You know, it's like it's like Roseanne didn't get fired from her show because she sang the national anthem, grabbed her crotch, and spit. You know, if that was the case, I would be defending Roseanne. Yeah, you exactly, know, she did exactly. what? Yeah. Exactly. Yes.
1: YouTube but, is a magical
2: thing. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. Like, it's a it's a we're in an interesting time, but I also feel like as a Simpsons fan, mm-hmm. I'm pretty disappointed by the reaction to how they treated it. It's like it's such an easy play mm-hmm. to acknowledge like okay let's change this let's change the conversation and do something yeah. a little bit different but they almost are like Fuck you yeah. for, like, asking <laughs> well, us about this. And
1: she had been saying insane stuff nine months prior to the tweet that got yeah. her fired, let's be honest. Oh, okay. yeah. So it's not. Um, can I change the subject for just yeah, one sorry. second? Because yeah. I just, I, this is a nerdy thing, but um, I think it's also so cool that you are out there talking about movies, and we talk about movies, too, and obviously yeah. a lot of the work you've done has been in TV, and it's yeah. a medium that's it been very kind to you, but, like, what do you see? Are we going to How do you see the future of the medium perpetuating? Like it's becoming such a cottage industry at this point. It's
2: interesting. You know, I think when you first start out doing this business, you know, getting Mm -hmm. into like acting or writing and producing and all that sort of stuff, movies seem like, oh, that's what it is. You know, that's where all the good stuff is. Um, I think what I've noticed in in the the last 10 years is like the switch to TV. You know, you get to do cooler ideas and you don't have to... Uh, Worry about it uh, appealing to a mainstream audience in a weird way, you know, and I think, I think, you know, uh, for me, it's always about where the best idea, where the, the best medium for the idea, you know, and. There are things I see in film that I'm very excited by. And a lot of that stuff is in the A24 and Annapurna world right. where it's like these movies that aren't made for everybody. Uh, that's not to say that I won't go see The Meg and I'll go see Fast yes. and Furious and all these. I love a big budget movie. I love Mission Impossible Fallout. Mm. Like Mission Impossible yeah. Fallout, I'm like, we need to make it's all action kind movies. Kind of like mind-blowing, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. It's amazing. So, like, I love all that big stuff. I think, though, now you're in this zone where... Even, like, the fourth lead is, like, unnamed now, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is a crazy... You have Superman playing fourth banana. Yeah. <laughs> wow. and, and that, to me, is yeah. disheartening because it's just harder to get in right. the door, you know. Right. And so it's like, uh, as an actor, it's hard. I think as, as somebody who's making a film, then you got to find, well, what's this movie that's worthy of people's times? Because I think for all the benefit of VOD mm-hmm. and these indie movies... There's a glut of them, right? So yeah. it's like, can you are you making one to make one? When I first started doing shows at UCB, it was like everyone did a one-person show. And out of those one-person shows, there were like 10 that I can tell you right now were great. <laughs> yeah. And then there were like, I would say, probably like 20, 30 that were good. They're fine. They're <laughs> functional serviceable Serviceable. Yeah. Right. And it's a functional one person shows. And I feel like that's the thing. It's like, if you're going to make a movie, I think the only way to kind of get it to pop out is by being really interesting, really good. Yeah. And then the rest of me is like, well, then you can go around and say, yeah, I made a movie and there it is. It's available. But yeah. it's sort of like, I'd rather work and do something that's that I'm really excited about than just to right. do a movie to do a movie. Exactly. I and mean, if that makes sense, I don't know. No, it That does. being I mean... said... it. I have, like, two interesting movies that I do like that I just did. Yes. I'm dying to ask you about Slice. Yes.
1: Because A24 is, and I we I hate to use a trade term, but we love their product. That sounds like a heartless way to yeah. say it. But their taste is incredible. And this is Chance the Rapper's film
2: debut. Yes. How so, is he? Uh, it's great. Like uh, it, it, what, I, what I like about A24 is yeah. they go, this is weird. This is interesting. Let's go do this. When I first got the script for Slice... Yeah. I was like, what is this world? I can't say too much about it. They're they're being a little... I'll help you here. I think the only logline they released was that
1: there is a serial killer of pizza boys on the loose in a Chicago that may or may not be dystopian. Yes. Oh, my God. Which is a fantastic premise. It's a really
2: interesting premise. I'm the owner of the pizza shop where uh, the pizza boys are getting killed. Uh, (laughs) Pizza boys and girls, I should say. Uh, uh, Pizza people. Yeah, and uh, (laughs) it's... Yeah, and so basically, that they took this uh, this writer director. His name was Austin Vestley, and he mm-hmm. uh, directed a bunch of Chances music videos. Uh, oh. The one where he he's on top of the subway train. Mm-hmm. There's another one called Sunday Candy that was all done in one shot. If you haven't seen it, it's really beautiful. Wow. So he directed all these videos, and they said, and he said I had this script, and like, well, if you can get Chance to be in this movie, we'll we'll make it. And um, wow. and a Chance is in the movie, and it's. It has a bunch of people in it that, like, I remember that uh, Zazie Beats is in it, yes. and Zazie from uh, from Atlanta. Yeah. Deadpool. W- when we were shooting it, um, Atlanta just premiered. We oh watched the God. premiere episode in the hotel when they were Fun shooting. Production. Yeah, when we were oh shooting, it's like God. so. It's sort of like you know. I think that she was not expecting all that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, and yeah, so it's it's Chris Parnell is in it. He's very good oh, in I it. Um, Doctor Spaceman. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exactly yeah. So they uh, so again I'm a little hand tied by not being yeah. able to explain exactly what it is, right. but it's definitely weird. You should be on the lookout for it. A twenty four is releasing this campaign that I've been following along with. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, these images where it's like little Caesar but his head's cut off. <laughs> uh, then there's like Domino's but pizza but the blood is dripping out and oh, spelling slice. Idea. And today we was a write new about one. That. I uh, seen that oh yet. yeah, there there yeah. every couple of days is a new piece of okay. very. Special Specific art, okay, um, and it's like, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a cool way that they're going to release it, and I think they have a very interesting plan. For uh, this movie, wow, yeah, and what's the other one? The other one is this movie I did uh, called Summer 03 uh, with Joey King, Joey who's kind King. of become this huge yes. uh, person, kissing booth, you know, Most one of the watched... faces of the
1: Summer of Love, as they're calling it. Oh, the rom- really? The rom com reboot, man. Thank
2: goodness yes. for Netflix. Step it up <laughs> or set it up in this, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know. <laughs> Joey, uh, you know, had done Kissing Booth uh, before this movie. And, and this movie is a really, again, talking about, like, there's a lot of indie movies out there. Yeah. And this movie was really interesting because it's a uh, first-time writer-director. Uh, she's somebody who's like, went to Sundance and South by Southwest with these shorts. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong in saying that, but she went to no, some, something. Oh, yeah. So, and and uh, and we, we did this movie about a story that happened to her in her life. Her grandmother... Um, Basically, is on her deathbed and says... She has this money in a sack. She, she has says, the money I in a sack. She's like, I to... need you to turn it. <laughs> uh, so her grandmother says, she says, um, look, there's a secret to life. If you know the secret, you'll get through. You need to learn how to give a good blowjob. And says this to her. This is oh. a true story to okay. a 16-year-old girl. Wow. wow. But Joey King is playing it. She also tells each one of us a secret. I'm Joey's dad. This is the first time I'm like in a real dad role. Yeah. Uh, I'm Joey's dad. And... Uh, and since the whole family off on this summer, we all kind of lose our minds. Does
1: she give you
0: the same advice?
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, and so I have a very exciting so summer. Everyone goes to a class. <laughs> class uh, the, yeah, we yeah. meet that girl with the grapefruit video. It's uh, really exciting. Um, but, yeah, so this movie is kind of a, a fun story. Where it's about a girl who uh, gets this information and then falls in love or has this interesting affair with a young priest. Uh, oh, my so, God. So uh, it's wow. a little different, a little left to center. It's a coming-of-age story, but done in a very kind of a different way. Um, and we went to South By with it, uh, and it was really great to watch it play there. And so this is like, they're two very different movies, yeah. as you can tell from the log line for one, and then, <laughs> and then this one. Uh, but yeah, I think they're both really interesting and unique voices. I think right. that's the thing yeah. that was so exciting for me, at least. Because I think what people don't realize, too, is you go and you make no money yeah. for this stuff which is fine. It's like it. It's fine. Like, I have no issues with it. But it's like you have to go because you like this idea and you like the fact that we're all going to be like in a house in Atlanta, like in the middle of a 106 degree day. You know, like. But and <laughs> and and, and it, it's worth it. Absolutely. Let's talk about your paycheck roles Like at the yeah. Largo, show and oh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I just I, want to hit on everywhere we can oh, see you. Like, you gosh, do have a weekly yeah. show at the Largo. I have on a, show a monthly, monthly show. show. Yes, yeah, a monthly show called Hanging with Paul Sheer. Just been uh, uh, And it's, uh, it's mm-hmm. a it's a it's a super fun show. Basically. I wanted to do a show at Largo that you couldn't get anywhere else. I feel like there's so many podcasts. There's so many things that are becoming something else. And when I first started doing shows, I was like, I want to do, like, a show. I want to just do a show that if you're not in the room, you missed it. Yeah. And so the premise (laughs) of the show is it's show and tell. I basically bring... Uh, people from different backgrounds. It's like musicians, actors, writers, chefs, uh, artists, whatever yeah. it is. And they all, we all sit on stage and everyone brings an object, whether it's David <laughs> Chang bringing a spoon or Will Ferrell bringing these uh, like hunting knives that he confiscated from his kid or, you know, um, we just, you know, um, Phoebe Robinson was on my last Love show her. and she played an, uh, a voicemail from Oprah and Jonathan Van Ness brought the first pair of Stella McCartney boots that he ever bought. Like, wow. so people are wow. bringing all these things and there's a story behind each one and the whole idea of the show is you're kind of meeting these people through an object. Some object, it could be funny, it could be sentimental, it could be whatever it is and so it's been really fun to kind of have like a dinner party it's a yeah. dinner party with props we get yeah, to sit around so amazing. every month the last Monday of every month we kind of get these great people and this month uh, Bo Burnham and uh, Gerard Carmichael are going to be there and uh, some other fun people as well but yeah and then and the show ends with a, a musical act so it's a fun <laughs> oh. show that kind of you know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blast to kind of do up, oh my this God. will go
0: up this week, yeah. whatever day it is today. Yeah, what day yeah, is what's the, the date of the uh, the
2: Largo show? Is August yeah. twenty seventh. Okay, and uh, and I'm actually doing a special version of it uh, at this Disney pop up museum. I don't know if you heard about this. Oh my God. It's called That's this from is Disneyland.
1: Okay, uh, well, one
2: of the biggest collectors, I, I actually think the biggest collector of Disney memorabilia, um, made a pop up museum. You can go to That's from Disneyland dot okay. oh It God. is. Um, everything from ride cars like the Dumbo ride car the Haunted Mansion ride car to the giant D that was on the Disneyland Hotel and he's auctioning it all off wow. but for this entire month you can go there and kind of cool. interact with like these props whether it's the original uh, It's a Small World After All puppets to uh, you know original artist drawings and so we're doing a special hang with Paul Shear there it's sold out but I'm sure you could probably sneak in at the end but it's Jeff Garland and Ben Schwartz and Rachel Bloom oh, uh, all so- gonna come doing that which is a That's blast fantastic. so it's like A very Disney-specific one for the Disney nerds. Yeah,
1: that's incredible. You also have a TV pilot. You're so yes. So
2: uh, I have a TV pilot that going to series. It's going to be coming out in January. It's called Black Monday. Okay, and it's uh, with Don Cheadle, Andrew Rannells, and Regina Hall, and me. Yeah, so it's pretty great. That's a dinner party drama. Yeah, Uh, this (laughs) movie, this show takes place in the '80s uh, during the stock market crash. Wow. Uh, (laughs) And so we all work for a firm together. And, uh, Does it start with a T? Yeah. Uh, no, you know it is. A, it is a. Uh, we are the underdog firm of Wall Street. Okay. So, okay. Um, so we are. It's a very interesting. Although there's a lot of good stuff coming up, and it's written and created by, or one of the creators is David Casp, who uh, created Happy Endings and yes, Marry my
1: Me, f- absolute favorite. Happy Endings. So great.
2: Him and Jordan Cahan yeah. um, are are the creators of it, and Seth and Evan. Uh, or Seth Rogen and Evan yes, Goldberg, Goldberg. Uh, they directed the pilot wow. uh, and it's wow. yeah so we start production on that in a couple weeks which is really uh, that's incredible fun yeah it's really really fun
0: how many seasons did Happy Endings go? three
1: three I love
2: Are that you, you gonna... said
0: it's too sh- that it's too short lived short lived I yeah. mean it is but three seasons is have nothing have to sneeze at
1: do you would tell it's like to take two seconds but we were trying to think of ideas that we could pitch to you for stuff we would want you to do yeah 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 um, and all I could think of was the character you played on Happy Endings like, it's so like I guess you can call him a spiritual leader like I, oh, I gosh, went down this yeah. Wikipedia hole of like white male spiritual leaders uh, that you could appropriate. Well, I, and the closest I got was Ram uh, do
2: Anyone remember that? Uh, yes. But, like,
1: but it's like an earnest story. I don't know. So uh, I'm like, maybe you can do a Mike Myers Ram
2: Das or something. Well, I, I still like uh, am into the spinning off that character I did on Veep like in yes, some uh, way. Because like, I like, love that idea of like producing like a morning news show, <laughs> but like a grittier version of what the morning news is. You know, just like a crazy thing. Um, but yeah no it's um, so we're really excited about that I feel like that cast is pretty phenomenal I mean that's awesome
0: and you're Hmm. redoing Galaxy Quest
2: yes so uh, Galaxy Quest is uh, something I've been working on Um, we uh, currently are in a little bit of a a whole pattern because our executive at Paramount was fired for... Uh, Amy Powell. Amy Powell. Yes. Oh, so I okay. uh, was fired for some uh, from insensitive comments. Tom foolery. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, wow. And so... But yes, it's been really exciting uh, because this is a movie that I loved growing up. I'm a big yeah. Star Trek fan and there's been something that I've been so excited to kind of tackle. We have this script. We've been working with Gran Via who does Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad and, right. uh, and, and Halt and Catch Fire. So they're really... Been amazing partners because we want to create this thing that feels like this kind of epic sequel but continuation. Like for me, I compare that to what The Force Awakens is to Star Wars. It is, <laughs> it is, it is, it is continuing a story but bringing in new characters. Because, like, yeah. one of my big fears is what is so great about Galaxy Quest is it's a fish out of water story. And I hate when you just go back to the same fish in the same pond. Like, I, I, we need to kind of change it up. So, my pitch to Galaxy Quest was how can we kind of blow this out and pay off things for the fans that love Galaxy Quest but more importantly and the thing that I really wanted to do was appeal to the me of now like who's yeah. who's the 18 year old version of me that loved Galaxy Quest now what would they want to see yeah. because I think that that is a movie that we haven't really made yet you know that, that is you know the Tropic Thunder in in the world of modern-day sci-fi. When Galaxy Quest first came out, it was a niche thing. Star Trek fandom is a niche thing. Now it is, you know, selling out Hall H and Comic-Con. Yeah. So that's kind of, like, the impetus for the uh, the continuation totally. of
1: it. Do we have time? I just want to ask one more. You like, have oh, as much time see. as, yeah. Okay, awesome. I don't want to... But it's so interesting hearing all the stuff going on, like, and you said you were playing your first dad role, and, like, it feels like you're really sort of in the driver's seat. Did you think you... How do you just feel about your
2: career? Like, how do you feel about everything that's going on? You know, I feel like... for me... Like and uh, you know whatever it's like. I know I'm talking about myself, but it's no, like the, I mean, the, that's the, why we the, you. The, uh, and i I love. <laughs> I really came up with this mentality that UCB, the Upright Citizens Brigade, yeah. kind of instilled in me. And the UCB is a big part of my life. I still do shows there once a week, but they. Uh, they kind of showed you early on, if you want to do comedy, you do your own shows, you make your own flyers, right. you write them, you get up, you get people in the seats, you hustle, right? So they basically are teaching you to write, perform, and produce at the same time. And and in addition to that, they threw the the ladder down or the rope down yeah. so you could kind of climb up. So for me, I'm always kind of most excited by... Uh, working on ideas that make me passionate yeah. and that's my own ideas and trying to figure out how to make that work. And it's also connecting with artists that are super passionate, whether it's like Becca Gleason or Austin who directed these two movies. I'm like, I yeah. see that excitement in them. I would rather work with them than some sort of hack jaded <laughs> director or creator. Who's like, I'm this in it for the money. Like, yeah. and, and, and so what I try to do and what I've been trying to do for years and, and, I, and lately, like right now, I've been doing this a lot this year is, like, kind of finding people that I like and going, like, hey, what's your voice? Like, let's develop a show. And we've been very lucky, like, I've been able to, like, set up, like, five different shows with some really super talented people that I'm just producing right now because I think that their voices need to be heard. And I I needed that when someone was there for me. So for me, it's, like, about, like, trying to work with young people, acknowledge that they're – better ideas than I can come up with, you know, and and just kind of be a collaborator. I think that that's the one thing I'm always trying to be, whether it's, you know, working on a show that I've created or helping someone develop their other show. I think that, like, the best things come out of collaboration. And when you – I'm not a person who works good and, like, let me just hole up in this room and, and do my yeah. thing. Um, you know I mean? Improv comes – that that's, like, the background of improv. So, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure there's always, like, look, I would love to be – doing some things and find, you know, yeah. a, a nice... Oh, I think
1: you're doing great. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> well, I it think... wasn't like, did you ever think you'd be here? Uh, I,
1: but now I meant, like, it's a Diane Sawyer yeah. question, but it seems like you got work for hire, stuff
2: that you're doing yourself. Yeah. Like, it's a nice, healthy... To me, it was, like, my biggest my biggest thing was leaving the league, which I did for seven years, yeah. and going, like, how can I not duplicate... That in any right. way. And that's the easiest thing to do. And it's sort of like find things that are similar to that. And so it's like that's what I, I, for like the last couple of years, it's been like I'm doing this and this. And you may not see why I'm doing that because I just want to challenge myself and do something different. And hopefully, you know, I think one of the, the the best people I love, the people I love to watch, are these like character actors who have this like kind of crazy career where you're like, oh yeah. wow. Like I even look at like somebody like Joel Egerton. I'm like, wow, what yeah, is yeah. What he does is like well, he's directing versatile. that yeah. and doing this. And exactly. Then. You know, so I always like I just think it makes for a more interesting thing. You know, yeah. like in, and not to be handcuffed to one thing again too. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. you. Came Sorry up for with that this
0: incredible time for UCP with like you and Aziz, and you also had, you know, going on to like Ellie Kemper. Um, there's so many people who I mean if you there. look at the, the billing of like, UCB
2: it's like it's you know it's Zach Woods it's Rob Riggle Ellie Kemper uh, you have uh, did I say Rob Riggle already? Yeah. Uh, Rob Hubel you know <laughs> Aziz Ansari you have you know you have writers in there you know you have people who are like, Bobby Moynihan yeah Bobby Moynihan mm-hmm. you have you have people Chris Gethard you have uh, like Kim Peel not coming out of UCB but you know basically testing their show of Kim Peel at UCB <laughs> right. theater you know Chelsea Peretti you know, uh, you know all these people that kind of It's one of those things where if you look in comedy, I could probably point out... Two to three people from everything, any polar. You know, it's like mm-hmm. yeah. that. If you're involved in comedy, there's a person on your show that uh, Dan, Donald Glover. Here's yeah. a great thing about Donald Amazing. Glover. I knew Donald when he was in high uh, when he was in college at NYU, and I was doing a show with Whoopi Goldberg. It was called Sketch Off. It was a American <laughs> Idol for sketch. You would take <sighs> wow. people who were super talented performers and put them in these makeshift sketch groups, and then each week you give them a one word thing. Like you'd say. Uh, paying the bill at a restaurant. Yeah. And then each of them would write a sketch. So you have three sketches about paying the bill in a restaurant. And each team would attract it in a different way. And then you would be basically a kind of building this amazing sketch Show TBS. I love passed that's on what this you thing. think of when you look at me now.
1: Oh, uh, that blind fear of okay. no, but no, it was like, that was like that.
2: Like it was like we. Yeah, I remember one. I still remember one of the yeah. sketches. It was like it was like basically like the check coming down from the ceiling on a like a clear oh. rope, <laughs> like the monolith from 2001, and everyone freaking out, and being silent Oh, that's well, thank God. Okay, but uh, but, oh God. but Donald Glover, I put him in that, and I knew Donald, and I was a huge fan of Donald. Back in the day, and it's like, and I'm like, you know, Donald is not like one of my close friends, but if I see him, I definitely know him. Yeah. But it's like, but it's like, I just love that, like, we all are in this like giant soup of comedy, <laughs> yeah. and, and you know, and then we worked with each other, and it's it's invigorating to be yeah. like, oh, I know you, I love you, and I love you. Know, like, Jason was a guy that was not somebody really in my life socially, yeah. but was in the comedy soup of my life until we did How Did This Get Made, and now it's like one of my closest friends. And yeah. you know, Nick Kroll, I went to Georgetown to perform. For Nick Kroll and John Mullaney's comedy group, because they were like, "Oh, we know these people from New York. We'll bring yeah. them down." So, like, like that's wow, the way that the, all these kind of connections weirdly happen. That's crazy. Is UCB still that kind of incubator? You know, it's hard for me to judge because yeah. I'm kind of on the outside of it now. Like, I perform every Wednesday night at nine thirty. I'll do other things there occasionally, but I think. What it is is an incubator for community. Yeah. And uh, whether or not people are getting up as much as I did, I mean, I was doing seven shows a week oh at a certain point. You know, Back when the theater first opened in New York City, it was wow. like, you know, you're, and there's like three shows a night, and I'm doing one show a night for almost every single night. And it was so much fun, and you learn so much. That opportunity is not there now. But I will say that every one of those people that I came up with, or I would say that in every one of my projects that I've ever done, and every project that I'm casting, one of those people is there, which is a kind of a crazy thing. Like, to think, like, this is, you know, back, you know, like, before 2000, I've been working with the same people for 18 years. Wow. And in different ways. Yeah. You know, Rob Riggle just did this thing called Ski Master Academy for Crackle, and he's like, come do this thing. I'm like, all okay, right, <laughs> great. I'll be there. Like, I, as I've called him to do stuff for me, like, yeah. we just kind of jump in And we do stuff for each other. So that's, I think is, and so I hope that people are getting that community. And I think that you can see it in like, in if you look at a show like Love, that's Paul Russ' show, right? So Paul Russ, and you look at like Mitch and the Birthday Boys, and you look at like those guys, like they have their own community. They're at this level, but yet, you know, we're all connected, but everyone has their own kind of pods that they kind of jump in between. Awesome.
0: We have to ask one last thing. Yes. Yes. What do we call the Bertha movie?
2: Yes. Oh, oh well God. I mean yeah. look, I, I, I mean I think that this movie is I think you can go I think you can go uh Confidence Queen mm-hmm. is a great title, very good. Yeah. Big Bertha is kinda great. It's built I in mean, marketing. Yeah, I mean Big Bertha is just like you just like again like a wanted poster with that yeah. face mm-hmm. or you know, or it's Bertha, like Tully. <laughs> um by the way, I want to plug Tully as a movie that I it's saw so that good? did not get enough love.
1: Wait, I still haven't seen it's it if so you can believe it's it. And they keep so it up for a worth consideration. They're they're so serious it that be. it was not underseen. I need to see it. It is yeah.
2: it is a movie that uh, as a parent I found to be the closest thing to a horror movie I can imagine. But uh also just no, fantastically good. good. I mean, uh Charlize is amazing and uh you know i yeah she's she's just she's quite great i mean my wife june just did a movie with her uh, called flarsky it's a comedy film and she's fucking hilariously funny too it's like it's uh, it's unfair how good Charlize is and how versatile she is in these things
0: all right she can play
2: bertha Uh. or it could be like an emmet
1: like she's become becoming bertha and there's like a oh yeah just a profile like
2: <laughs> well look with CGI hour. now it'll be easy She would probably just go put some dots <laughs> on her face it'll be fine oh my
1: god Paul Shearer, you're a gentleman and you're so funny um, thank you so much for thank coming thank you so much for having me it was oh my a pleasure god. and
2: I'm glad look I think we should act on this big birthday idea really
1: think, by the way someone's gonna buy it so we should just say on the podcast it belongs yeah. to Paul Shear. just invite, um, invite yeah. me to be a exactly. part of it
2: Shonda get me a part of this please